Hello, and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Chris Sarley, and today we're joined by Robert Bedette, one of the co-managers on the elite-rated BMO Navigator Distribution Fund. Thank you for joining us today, Rob. Thank you for having me. Um, there's only one place to start, and that's with the repercussions of the pandemic on the portfolio. You were recently quoted as saying 25 years of experience could not have prepared you for the impact it had. Could you maybe talk us through the challenges for the portfolio and the outlook going forwards? Yes, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, so if we go back to the beginning of the year, the uh, coronavirus was sort of was quietly taking hold in China, and we were aware of this. We were looking at the issues, uh, and it did appear at that time that uh, they were controlling it in a similar way in Asia to SARS, uh, bird flu, swine flu, and and the previous uh, worrisome flu-related illnesses. Um, at the same time, the world economy was accelerating. Uh, as recently as the end of February, uh, growth was up year on year. And, and this was sort of powered by the rate cuts in the US last year um, and uh, stimulation of the Chinese economy. Um, but markets had run ahead extremely uh, strongly the previous year, 2019. So in that mix, we came into the crisis uh, with a fairly uh, conservatively positioned portfolio because of the high levels of markets. Um, a little bit of concern about coronavirus, but it did look containable. Um, now, it, that containable aspect clearly looks wrong now, although even today, I think the deaths are at about a horrific 619,000 worldwide. That's still below a bad year for flu. Uh, in the world. So we'll see how history looks back on this. But of course, what happened next was the global shutdown. And that is something that my 25 years definitely didn't prepare me for. Um, there was a an, the so-called Hong Kong flu outbreak in the late 60s, killed between one and a half and two million people. And there was no economic shutdown. The NHS was fine. Um, so everything pointed to uh, a not seeing that level of reaction in our opinion. Um, but of course, there was a sort of a Mexican wave effect of uh, governments copying each other on shutdowns. Um, and that is what has killed the, the markets in March. Um, and uh, in addition, obviously, you had state intervention on dividend policy. Uh, you had collapsing interest rates from already record low levels. Uh, and these were things that, that challenged a lot of areas of the investment world. So, yeah, it was a difficult time. Um, obviously, we've had a bit of a recovery since then. Um, you've yeah. actually recently moved underweight equities in the portfolio. Could you, could you maybe explain why and how that's working out? Yeah. So we, we're thinking of the world at the moment in two roadmaps. Um, the long-term roadmap uh, is where the second-order sort of economic effects take hold. And what do I mean by that? I mean, jobs get cut permanently, companies close down, um, furloughs end, and the world is a more difficult place with lower economic growth. Uh, and that is not great for, uh, for most asset classes. So that is the sort of um, behind our strategic underweight inequities, if you like. Um, more short term, there is uh, the, the positives are sort of more sentiment driven. So it's, it's state support for furloughing, uh, um, for uh, investment, pay rises, as we saw yesterday, for key workers in the NHS and so on. Um, 
possible virus vaccine developments. Um, and generally, you know, bear markets do have a, a sort of a relief rally after the first strong fall. Um, and this time we have not only monetary support, so interest rate cuts, but also we have tax breaks and an awful lot of government support as well. Uh, those two things together are very rare. Um, and that is, we think, what's powering the short-term move in markets. So we're underweight equities. We've actually outperformed since the bottom of the markets. And that's because of the mix of assets we have. So we, we always think of risk and reward uh, when we're investing. And at the moment, we, we can get the rewards from the lows without taking the risk of being overweight equities with it. Okay. Well, let's move on to another asset class then, um, bonds. You've obviously been talking about active management in the bond market and how you feel it could reap big rewards. Is the opportunity across the whole asset class or in certain subsectors of the market? So we had a, a strange situation in March. So the yields on gilts and other government bonds fell. So in the UK, you were being paid 0.7% before the collapse in markets. Today, it's below 0.2%. So uh, you're getting a worse return on your gilt holdings today, way below inflation. Um, you're losing money on government bonds. At the same time, the cost of borrowing for companies went up. So corporate bonds, which are like a, you know, a loan to a company, uh, yields went from on, on bond funds from around 2%. You could suddenly get about 6% for what is called investment grade. So these are companies above a triple B or above rating. So the default rates, the risk your money is very low in that area historically, and you were suddenly being paid the best yields for many years, way above inflation. And we felt that risk reward was more attractive. So we introduced corporate bond funds for the first time in several years. Um, at high yields, so uh, where, where sub-investment rate bonds live, yields went 8% or higher. Um, so that part of the asset class looks very attractive. But it does come with higher risk, clearly. Um, however, in all of those asset classes at the moment, the implied default rates that the yields suggest are way above what we saw in the global financial crisis in 2008 and previous significant recessions. So we think it still looks uh, a very compelling risk-reward area. Um one of the areas that's obviously become, well, it's been a talking point for many years, but it's sort of front and centre again is the value growth argument. Obviously, value has been, as an investing style, heavily maligned in recent years. But at the moment, you're actually somewhat optimistic on that style of investing. Could you maybe tell us why? And is there a catalyst or is it you know, just a case of value so cheap it's too good to ignore now? Yeah. Um, so we have a balance in our portfolios uh, with you know, different styles, but we do think again, on a risk-reward value, looks quite compelling at the moment. So it's been under pressure because uh, investors have really linked the value growth arguments to interest rates. So as uh, government bond yields fall, that is good for uh, growth companies where you're getting maybe a very low yield, but you're hoping for growth over the long term. So if you're being paid point to by yields, you're probably happy to say, I'll get no income in exchange for a fast-growing tech company or something like that. Um, and with rates falling in March again, this, this stretched an already sort of tight piece of elastic between the high valuations of growth stocks and the low valuations of value stocks. 
Um, so right now, it's probably the, the optimum risk reward for value. But value is a broad church. And um, typically, people think of the very cyclical, economically sensitive companies. So uh, mining, um, oil, uh, sometimes financial uh, stocks as well. Um, but they sort of require at least the hope of an economic recovery. Um, and uh, that is that is being questioned at the moment. Um, but the other aspect which helps value typically outperform is inflation. And we are starting to see some inflationary forces for the first time. Uh, so the pay rises I mentioned for workers can lead inflation. Um, we've seen the oil price bounce uh I think it's up about 43%, something like that, from the lows in March. Uh, that will follow through in a year's time or so. Um, you've got uh, uh, the government's procurement uh, of various things uh, at whatever price. Um, there's a whole host of um, uh, areas where uh, you can see price inflation coming through. There is also things on the other side, obviously, a weak economy, so, you know, uh, uh, is not great for pricing power. Um, so it's still in the balance, we would say, but on a risk-reward basis, it looks quite compelling, and most value managers are getting quite excited. Uh, the final piece in the jigsaw puzzle is investor position. So the biggest funds in the UK are all quality growth funds at the moment. Um, the Lintel Trains, the Fundsmiths, and so on, um, they've been some of the best performers as well. Uh, so a number of the value managers simply say they don't need a tailwind, they just need the headwinds to abate. Uh, and that will allow at least the sort of compounding effect of the cheapness of the value stocks to, 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 to um, help them out perform. And that seems to have started to happen. It was starting to happen at the end of last year. This reaction to COVID-19 uh, um, stopped that in its tracks, but it started again. Um, and that's why we are outperforming despite being underweight equities. Um, obviously, there's been lots of talk about the, you know, what sort of shape of recovery we'll, we'll see, whether it be U, B, W, et cetera. Um, yeah. Is your portfolio positioned for a certain type or shape of recovery? Or is it is simply too early to say? Um, yeah, I think it is a little early, um, but we have to be positioned. And the beauty of being a multi-manager is obviously we can adapt very easily. Um, we hold 30 or more funds in our portfolios, including the distribution fund we're talking about. Um, there's a balance of styles, as I've said, and we will tweak that as things change. So if we see uh, some more inflationary signs, you'll likely see us lean a little bit more into value, and we will be expecting a sort of a, 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 sh a sharper economic recovery, not back to previous levels, but a sharp recovery. Um, uh, so I think that's sort of where we are thinking, but we're achieving that through cheap value managers rather than overweight equities. Because we're there's the, the flip side is governments control uh, their interest rates at low levels, and we have a low for longer growth environment. That's the sort of flip side of our current view, and we we can definitely see that scenario. We just think the balance is the other way. Obviously, income's a major part of the mandate. Has the sell-off changed your thoughts on the importance of diversifying your income through different asset classes, or has that story sort of already started pre-COVID? Yeah, so diversification again is a it's a it's a 
key aspect of any kind of investing and obviously it significantly underpins the idea of the multi-manager funds. Um, however, um, when it comes to a total shutdown of an economy, uh, even defensive areas of the market get hit. Um, so the diversification was almost null and void in March, unfortunately. Um, added to that, there were some aspects that hit income investors particularly hard. So falling interest rates was uh, not great um, as it powered growth versus value and income typically is a value style of investment. Um, second, governments forbode, forbode banks paying dividends in the UK and in certain cases in Europe. Uh, they are putting pressure on insurers and this provided sort of air cover for companies in other sectors to suspend dividend payments. Now, we are hopeful that many of these payments were simply delays. Companies just wanted to see what happens, and investors will get that money back later in the year. Um, that is the optimistic outlook, and certainly I think will be the case in many companies. But the headline rates in various surveys are for the FTSE 100, 40 to 50% falls in headline dividends. But we should remember there are three big sectors in that distort the UK dividends statistics. Banks, no dividends at all. Oil companies, Shell cut its dividend for the first time since the Second World War because of the collapse in the oil price. That's since rebounded. Um, uh, and uh, mining, which was under pressure, but is now looking at a little bit of a, a, a renaissance, perhaps. So from here on in, I think dividends outlook gets better, but it's been a, a painful period. Um, the, the course had just gone, our dividends fell by 20% year on year. Um, so much less than, say, the FTSE 100. We would expect that. It's, it certainly should be the case. Um, but uh, you know, it's a challenging time for income. That's great, Robert. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about the BMO Multi-Manager Navigator Distribution Fund, please visit fundcaliber.com. While you're there, remember to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at your time of listening. <laughs>